we are live on this wonderful Monday morning. 8 a.m. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. How's everybody doing today? So, we're going to give you an update on Misha. As you guys well know, I put out a podcast on Misha. I put out a few tweets to Misha just to see if they would respond. And they did. Told me I could email them on uh, Friday, I believe. Thursday or Friday. So I did. I emailed them. Asked them why they're mandating us to take our kids to the doctor. With no signs or symptoms of COVID. uh, And they can't virtual practice until they get a doctor's note. Um, A little update on that as well is... Um, it was being put out that some of the kids, to include my own, thought that they couldn't play when they came back. Not necessarily play, but their Misha has a rule that says that you have to have 14 practices in before your first game. And that starts in football. And if you get your 14 practices in for football, then... It also counts as basketball. If you did not play for football, then your 14-day practices start whenever the basketball season starts. Kind of pretty self-explanatory. But somewhere somewhere along the way, uh, it got misconstrued that some of the football guys weren't going to be able to play until like mid-December because their 14-day practices were being started over. So, to be honest with you, I was a little upset. I was like, that's dumb. I was like, it's not the kid's fault that he's being quarantined and it's virtual practice. Like, why, why is that a big deal anyway? So, got that cleared up. Um, it is now Monday. We are still waiting on a email from Misha. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know who it went to. I don't even know if they've looked at it. <clears throat> but I did send them an email. And then I asked them why. I also asked them why they are locking districts when they don't they don't send down the the crew to film it for radio or uh, internet or TV. Um, you know, for us, it's prepcast. For some of the other local uh, towns around us, they also use prepcast or they use the radio station. So, I said, and if you're locking districts to where you have to pay to watch it on the internet how much money of that of what people are paying are going back to the school so we'll wait to see what they uh what they send me back um 
I was a little frustrated and irritated. Uh, since then, I have, you know, calmed down. <laughs> um, so I'm, wor I'm looking forward to working with Misha if, uh, if they're going to allow me to. So that I can give not just the people here and the surrounding communities, but the whole state of Missouri. I think I think mission needs to be held accountable just like the schools held held accountable. And I don't think anybody's holding Misha accountable. Like you know, if you're not if you're not giving back to the school, what are you doing with all that money? You know, you can tell me that it, it costs you so much to run the building and you know the internet the electricity the heat and ac um and whatever else but you're making money any way you can the officials pay for their license for football basketball track uh whatever other sport that we have here in missouri there has to be officials so the officials pay for their license that's not free and the only thing Misha does is send out a book and it's also online so I don't understand why you're getting all this money in and I'm sure I'm not saying you don't spend any of it I'm sure there's money that's that's to be uh, spent <clears throat> but you're not but I think a percentage of that needs to go to school um, do I think every school? Eh, not necessarily. I'm just saying, uh, I don't know, a percentage of districts should go back to the school, and then a bigger percentage should go back to the state qualifiers, and then, uh, an even bigger percent going back to, you know, your state champion and runner-up. I think that's how I, I would do it. But, you know, that's that's neither, I guess, here nor there until I get more information. Um, so, yeah, uh, today's Monday. Thursday is Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you that have listened. Uh, I thank you all for listening. I checked... Last night, we were up to 27 views, 27 plays, over seven different broadcasts, um, over iTunes, uh, Radio Check, I think one of them is, uh, Google Podcast, and all the others. So, around here, we're getting our first look at uh, some winter weather. I think it was... Uh, 25 degrees when I woke up this morning. Brought the kids into town uh, to school and all that good stuff. Um, so I'm sitting sitting outside the gym and I figured until I get the motivation to get in the gym, I will do a podcast. So um, what I'm going to talk about today is I didn't really know what I was going to talk about. I was going to give you an update on Misha. I have done that. So now we're just going to run into veteran support. Um, for those of you that know Muscle Brigade, and for those of you that listen to the intro to Muscle Brigade, 
Uh, I am retired military. I did uh, uh, I'm trying to think of how many tours I did. I think I did three with the Navy and three with the Army to give me six if I remember right. Um, so uh, I wanted to take this time to kind of elaborate more onto that not not necessarily for me but for my veterans out there that are active duty or even if they're not active duty if they're veterans or retired themselves or whatever it may be if uh, if there's a way that I can help you please reach out uh, musclebrigade at gmail.com If you're going through some hard times, if you're going through some some struggles, reach out. Um, I can I can try to point you in the right direction. I can just be an ear to talk to. I can <clears throat> give you some advice. I can I can help you out in any way that I know how to. Uh, it's something that you know if you're struggling with depression, please reach out. I. I went through quite a bit. I was I was one of those guys that said I don't need to talk to anybody, um, like a doctor, uh, mental health person, and I finally ended up breaking down, and I had to, or I was honestly I was probably going to lose my sanity, and uh, I did, and. There's three things that came out of it. Um, whenever they tell you that therapy helps, I know that's a cliche, but I promise you it really does. The first thing that I got out of it was relief. It was like I was keeping everything bottled in and bottled up that it was it was not good for me. It was not good for my family. It was not good for my soldiers when I was uh, still in. And, you know, I started going to therapy. And when I first went, I did not want to talk. I self-referred and I still did not want to talk. I was like, I'm, I'm not talking. I'll just go in and talk a little bit about something else. And then before I knew it, um, I did kind of start to open up and then I finally told my therapist, like, hey, I haven't been a hundred percent honest and I haven't been, um, committed to this. And she kind of looked at me and she said, I know. <laughs> so therapy does help. First thing is, um, you know, getting it out there, talking to somebody you know, that relief that like you're not burdened with that weight on you now. It does help to talk about it. Uh, the second thing uh, that helped was I or you or we are not the only ones going through this. Whatever your situation is, I promise you, you're not the only one going through it. And I promise you that 
there's somebody going there's somebody that either you are around or if you end up going to like a group therapy that is not necessarily 100% been through the same thing that you've been through but it's going to be pretty close it's going to be pretty close um and the third thing that I got from it was peace. Um, and that, that is different than, you know, the burden of, you know, relief. The peace was just, I, I felt more, I felt more like myself. I, and it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen you know, your first two or three sessions. Not to say that it can't. Everybody's going to be different. But. I. Uh, I was getting. <clears throat> really. Um, triggered on a lot of things. Um, and I still do from time to time. But it's a lot more manageable now than what it was three years ago um, and I've been doing this for uh, two or three years so if you <clears throat> also I do want to bring this up if you do end up going to if you're still active duty and you end up going to uh, get help to talk to mental health behavior health, uh, whatever they call it now, you go, you end up you know, going to talk to a doctor um, and you start getting pushback from your command, please reach out. Um, I will get some information from you and I will reach out to some people that I still know and point you in the right direction. Because, uh, you know, when I was still in, I think it's still a big deal, you know, the toxic leadership. They sit there and they tell you, you can go to behavior health and it's not going to affect you. And if you have a good su command support, it that is absolutely 100%. I necessarily didn't. When I first self-enrolled, before I did it, I talked to my commander. And <clears throat> my commander told me, he said, Sergeant Gwen, he said, whatever you need, I am here. And if you need to go to uh, behavioral health, he said, I will support that. So my commander was a, a go. My first sergeant was a go. Um, I don't remember who my first sergeant at that time was. And then uh, because they were getting ready to deploy, I had to move out of the company and, and go into brigade. And they were, they were in the transition of, because the, the 92 Gulfs were getting ready to go into a food service unit we went to brigade anyway. So we all fell under brigade. 
I had commanders, I had sergeant majors, not the brigade sergeant majors, but I did have some sergeant majors tell me there was nothing wrong with me and I needed to suck it up and drive on. I was a sergeant first class and what kind of example was I setting for these soldiers when I was going to behavior health? I was legit. <clears throat> no BS told that. And the sergeant major that told me that, uh, I was, I was furious. I said, Sergeant Major, I said, uh, how many appointments have you been on? I said, because I've been on six throughout my whole military career, six or seven. That's our major, without missing a beat, told me, I've been on one. It's not that bad. I was in Kuwait. I said, oh, Kuwait. But that was tough on you. I said, I've been to Iraq. I've been to Afghanistan. I've been in the mix of it. I said, you're talking about Kuwait. But that was rough. Um, so, you know, we're talking about being deployed in some toxic leadership. I was, I was in a mix of toxic leadership. And then it was, oh, a month or two ago, I was, I was doing some research on college, um, on my class, and it had something to do with toxic. And it says that there's no such thing as being toxic. The only toxic is how you perceive it. Um, like if I were to say something, it would register with this person different than this person. And one person might say, well, that's toxic. And the other person might say, well, it's not toxic. I, I, I agree. It's kind of the I agree I, uh, to disagree type scenario. Um, no, some people are just downright toxic and everything that comes out of their mouth is toxic. And everything that they do is for themselves and not for uh, their senior NCOs and junior NCOs and soldiers. Because whenever you start pushing agendas that there's not enough personnel and you start giving those pep talks that, oh, we can do this, we can make it happen... When the the better thing for morale and everything would be to, hey, this is a battle that we're not going to fight. So we're not going to do this inspection or this uh, go for this award type deal. But, I mean, what do I know? I was just a, a South First Class that had multiple deployments, combat related. Uh, I'd been doing an e, E6, E7 job since I was an E5. So, and then as a E7, I was in a seven slot and an eight slot. 
but I didn't know my job and I didn't know what I was doing. So, and what I found out was when I was in E5, I was not worried about making E6. I was not worried about becoming a staff sergeant because I said, my NCOs will take care of me. My work ethic and me being here at 5.30 to do cook's mount, doing the cook's mount, and then running the whole operation and staying late and then going to the gym and getting home late from to my family will prove that, you know, I'm ready to be a staff sergeant. Well, that didn't happen. I think I was a E5 for five years, four or five years. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Something like five years. So what changed is I went to, at the time it was ALC. Uh, I think, if I remember right. And I went to class and, <coughs> oh man, swallowed wrong. Um, I went to class, to ALC out in uh, Fort Lee, Virginia. And a lot of my peers were saying that they wanted to put in warrant officer packets. And I was like, why? And you know, these, some of them been in 10 years, 11 years, 12 years. Uh, you know, I had some, I think there were some staff servants in there that had been in 15 years. And I'm just like, why? Um, so that kind of made me mad. And I, I called back to one of my NCOs and we were talking and I said, hey, I said, when I get out of class, and I get back, I said, I want to go to the first board that, that I can. And uh, he said, okay. Well, I got back, and um, I think two or three days after I got back, they said, hey, we got an emergency mission. We need to uh, pack our stuff, and we've got 72 hours to do it. If we can do it, we're deploying and I guess we should have did what some of the other uh, battalion and, and brigades did is they put the order out and then they just kind of lollygagged around. <laughs> but we ended up getting our stuff ready um, and we went out to, de- to deploy. And uh, I hadn't been to a board in five years. So my first board, I went in, I got nervous. Um, I was so nervous, I forgot my first sergeant's name, and I remember the first sergeant on the other side, he asked me who my first sergeant's name was, and in the top of my head, all I could remember is the first sergeant that didn't deploy with us, because he had orders to go to Japan, and I'm like, man, who is my first sergeant, <laughs> I laugh about now, but I was not laughing then, <laughs> and I said, first sergeant, uh, I do not remember name of my first sergeant at this time and I remember he slammed his hands down and he stood halfway up and he said are you kidding me you don't even know who your first sergeant is and he was yelling I felt really bad (laughs) good thing is is my first sergeant didn't uh 
didn't take it to, to heart. Um, and then, you know, I went to my second board and I came out and, uh, the NCO that took me said, man, you nailed it. That's how you do a board. And we went back in and I think they, they recommended one person out of the eight or 10 people that went and I was not that person. And so I was bummed for a day or two. And then I said, uh, to my NCO, I said, Hey, I don't need, I don't need, uh, <clears throat> a group of first sergeants or sergeant first classes or mass sergeants and a, and a sergeant major to tell me that I'm promotable. I said, I've been doing this job for a while now. And without the P status, I said, I'm promotable. And then, uh, I went to my third board, my NCO, I didn't even get to go in into the board. My NCO didn't have a leader's book, so I didn't get to step foot in the board. That made me mad. My fourth board, uh, I walked in and Sergeant Major always had a, uh, like an introduction that he did. And, uh, he asked me where my canteen was. I didn't have it which I thought I did. It was on my vest. And uh, one of my NCOs took it. I found that out like three years later, which I suspected one of them did. And then uh, went to another board. And uh, I, I'm not going to say I nailed it, but I, almost, I, I was pretty close to nailing it. I did get nervous. And I started to have a panic attack inside the board. And I remember my old platoon sergeant, she was on the board at this time. And she saw me like I was, I couldn't control my breathing. And she looked at me and the whole board was pretty much kind of staring to see if I was going to fall out of the chair. <laughs> and I remember like I looked over at her and she just calmly uh, mouth to me, um, calm down. And so I did something that you're probably not supposed to do in a board, but I closed my eyes. I took a deep breath and I exhaled really slow. And I came back to the question that was asked to me and I answered it. And from there on out, I was good. And I was recommended for staff science. So there's that. You know, um, so there's a little, little brief history of muscle brigade on a little bit of my military background, uh, persevering, um, cause I tell people, um, all I do is win and there is, is that a little cocky? Uh, probably. But there was a time that I got really low and uh, I was not winning. I was not winning in life. I was not winning with my marriage and my family. I was not winning uh, in the military. And my behavior health or mental health or whatever they call it now. Kind of recognized that. And, uh, you know, she was like, hey, you need... You've been doing this for a while. I'm going to put you in for a med board uh, unless 
you can find a job that doesn't deploy. And so I did talk to Sergeant Major. I talked to a couple Sergeant Majors, two of them in my my battalion and my brigade. And then I talked to two other Sergeant Majors. And I just basically got the, well, we don't have any open positions. Um, And my battalion and brigade Sergeant Major was like, well, my uh, brigade was like, well, I'm, I'm getting ready to retire, so if you can if you can talk to somebody and find a place, he's like, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, so he didn't say no, but he didn't really help. Um, and then I, it got to the point where I just, um, I wasn't going to try. My whole career, I did what the Army told me to do, when it told me to do it, how it told me to do it, and now I was asking for help and they tell you to ask for help in the army and I was I was asking for help for my mental self mental awareness and to you know just basically finish out my career and I ended up falling like six months short I had 19 and a half years so (coughs) there's that um But I'm going to sign off here. I'm going to get in this gym so that I can stay focused. Um, And, you know, reach out to musclebrigade at gmail.com. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow. I will do some research on what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Uh, But it won't be military related, I don't think. Um... I might give you a little update on Misha if I hear something from Misha. If I hear something from Misha tonight, I might just do another podcast on Misha tonight. So thank you guys.